0: Welcome to the Enneagram Enthusiast Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm looking forward to our interview that we had with Stephanie Hall from Nine Types Co. She's a three-wing four, and when I reached out to see if she'd be available for a podcast, I had no idea. She was the same exact type as me. I'm also a three-wing four, so you can imagine the fun that we had in this interview diving into the world of an Enneagram 3. So we'll get to her interview in just a moment, but just want to thank you all for listening, number one, also subscribing and rating as well. Anything you can do to share this is much appreciated, and let's dive into the world of an Enneagram 3 with Stephanie Hall. Well, I want to welcome on Stephanie from Nine Types Co. And just want to say, first of all, thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I was looking through your Instagram feed and you know, we're just trying to connect with different different people out there who are obviously as enthusiastic about the Enneagram as we are here. And yeah. just coming across the content that you guys put out there and and your feed, it looks so, so good. I'm like, this person knows what they're doing. Like, I want to get in contact with them. (laughs) And um, it's funny because we were talking earlier about this, but I wasn't even sure like, you know, what Enneagram type you were. Um, And then when we were emailing back and forth to find out you're a three wing four, I was like, oh, this is going to be a very special episode here. Yeah. we got two (laughs) three wing fours here ready to go. So I basically just kind of want to start out the conversation here and just find out Uh, Your story with the Enneagram, how did you find out about the Enneagram?
1: Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. So in 2015, I was working as a manager on a team, and I was trained by an HR consultant. And we learned about Total SDI, which is another motivation-based typology using corporate settings. And at the time, my husband was like, oh, you should look into the Enneagram. I think he heard about it on the Liturgist podcast. And I was like, uh, nah you know, I'm into SDI, whatever. I don't care about that. And then several months later, my sister told me about it. And so then I got really into it and I just took it to the next level, apparently.
0: That's awesome. I was kind of in the same boat as you in that sense, because I've taken so many different personality test profiles, and had my ones that I was like, no, this is, this is the thing. And then I kind of was like, any grandma, well, I'll check it out later on. So yeah. Yeah. I find that's a lot of stories for people though. I don't know if you run into that. I just find that that's kind of a common story is they're just like, Oh, here comes another thing, you know, as far as a personality test or something like that. But I don't think people even begin to understand like the layers and depths of the Enneagram itself.
1: Yeah. I think that they just like circle back to it over time. And that that's kind of how it gets to really sink in with people.
0: Totally. Totally. So when you were going through it, finally, you decided to take the plunge and go into it. Was it pretty obvious right away that you were a type three or did that take some digging to find that out?
1: Yeah, so my sister swore I was a four. Um so she sent me the eclectic energies test. I don't know if you've heard of that one, just like the free one that pops up.
0: I've taken that one.
1: Yeah. So it automatically I got three. And I saw that it was called the Achiever and I was like, Yes, I won. <laughs> I That's won the why I was to. Yeah. And then once you start looking into it, I was like, oh shoot. <laughs> I was like, I don't like these things about myself. Yeah, it's just, yeah, that can be such a struggle. But um, later that same year, so that was in 2016. And later that year, The Road Back to You came out. And um, that was like really impactful for me. Like once I started reading that and um, kind of let it sink in some more.
0: Mm, yeah. So I kind of tested close to a one and a three myself. Mm-hmm. And three came out on top barely. And I kind of had the same inside response as you. It was like, yes, I'm a three. But speaking of the inner drive and the, and the core motivations behind it, uh, what was that solidifying piece for you that, cause you were talking about, Ooh, I don't like this or that. And those, those critical things that jump out at us about ourselves are really kind of the driving, the driving point sometimes on identifying your type. What struck, mm-hmm. what stuck out to you in that?
1: Yeah. So like I said, I read the road back to you and that's when it really sank in, but, um, I hated the thought that I wasn't as masterful at melting into different social circles as I thought I was. And during that time, especially, I was noticing myself shape-shifting with different groups. And of all the things about the three, I hated that the most. And um, I also knew it was the most true. And so I think that's really the thing that struck me is that chameleon aspect. I resonated a lot with type Four. But just the chameleon thing about type three is what really stuck with me.
0: Mm, I feel that too when I when that came up. That's one of those things that I, was, I had to think on myself and go, is that really true? Do I really? Oh my gosh, I really do. That? Yeah. Wow.
1: It's embarrassing.
0: It is. It really is. It's one of those <laughs> eye-opening experiences that you take a look at yourself and you go, wow, I had no idea. And I think this is one of the great things about the Enneagram is that once you realize that, you can you can either just take a, a very stubborn stance and say, "Well, that's just the way I am," uh, and just be stuck in that place forever, or you can use the enneagram as a tool to say, "You know what? That may be my tendency that I've had, but now that I'm aware of it, I can use this to to help me get past that in a sense."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So totally.
0: Any like memories with the enneagram that stand out to you, funny or serious? Because uh, I know that you um, obviously got into this enough that it, it's impacted you in a way that you want to help other people. What are some experiences along your journey here that have like really stood out to you in a sense?
1: Yeah. So like what got me really into teaching is the very first time, um, I taught a group and we went through the entire Enneagram together. People would just have these aha moments like where they're like, Oh, that's why I do that. Or, Oh, that's why my husband do- does that or, or whatever. And um, that was just fascinating to me because I was like, Oh, this is really impactful. Not only for me, but it can really help other people and their relationships. And even recently in a typing session, um, where I was helping somebody figure out their type, they were like, Stephanie, you suck. (laughs) And I died laughing because I was like, that means I'm doing my job right. Like I'm uncovering those things that are like kind of standing in your way about yourself. And, um, that's what I love about the Enneagram is that it's so growth oriented and, and uncovering those um, really challenging things is really impactful for people's lives as they go on.
0: Yes, I totally can sympathize where you're at with that and the response that people get from it sometimes. I'm in the middle of a small group that I'm leaving um, at my church for the Enneagram and it's kind of the same situation where the first couple of sessions that we did together coming together, a few of the people were like, Ryan, I don't know if I like the Enneagram. This thing is just so <laughs> negative and it's so critical and it's so hard. And I'm like, just give it a couple more weeks. We'll get to the good stuff. But it really does draw that that stuff out and makes you cringe a little bit. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like a paradox. It makes you cringe, but it makes you want to go deeper at the same time. One of the things I thought would be fun to do since we're both threes is to go into some stereotypes of a three here. Let's go back and forth. We'll name like three or four stereotypes that we we think of um, as a three and and talk about them a little bit and kind of give a maybe a little deeper perspective on on a three in general, not just looking at the surface qualities. But um, one of the first qualities that I wrote down here was overdriven, Mm
1: -hmm. overdriven.
0: What do you think about that word?
1: Yeah, I mean- it's similar to what I put actually for the first one too, where I said threes will step on others to win. Yes. You know, where it's like, I, I don't know. It just, that rubs me the wrong way. I, d- I just don't like it. <laughs> and I don't think it's true.
0: No, not, I mean, very unhealthy threes might do something like that. And, and but that's just a, um, that definitely is a stereotype that we're out to, <laughs> we're out for blood in the sense of of getting the victory and everything and do, at all costs to get that victory. And, and really, I mean, to an extent, yeah, we, we do want to, to be successful and, and be the best at what we do and everything. But for most threes, it's, it's not to, to to go after people and to put them down or to, to step on them along the way. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think that's a good point that you brought up there. What's one that you came up with?
1: Um, that threes are jealous of the success of others. Because mm. uh, I... Personally, I obviously I'm a three. I know a ton of threes. Like a lot of my closest friends are threes. And I've never come across that, actually. Like where a three is jealous of the success of somebody else. I think the success of someone else might sometimes push a three to try harder in their own life, but I don't think that they're necessarily jealous of what the other person has. Does that resonate with you?
0: Very much so. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think, um, I think kind of when you get into more of the image consciousness of a three. Uh, And again, these levels of health in any type are are huge in just trying to determine where somebody's at, you know, in their life and whatnot. But I think those who are more image conscious kind of give off that that vibe in a sense that they're maybe a little more jealous of somebody Mm -hmm. else. And I think especially, I don't know about if this resonates with you, But getting into the three with the wing four aspect, there is a little bit of that four that comes out at me sometimes, Mm -hmm. Um, not too often, but I'll see something in somebody else and I'll go, ooh, I really want that. Yeah. Um, Or I feel like that's kind of like not, do I need that, you know?
1: But then it's also like, do you want to go get what they have and beat them? Or do you want to do it your own way? Because that's the three wing four way, right? Is to like find your own path forward, not necessarily do the thing that is successful for somebody else
0: right no exactly no i don't i don't want to mimic and copy i want to take it and make it my own you know in totally. a sense and, yeah. and, and do do it my way so another word or, or phrase I, I i think is a stereotype here is that they're only task focused mm-hmm. and i think threes definitely are focused on tasks, but not to the point where they eliminate everything else in their surroundings and stuff like that. Yeah, I think threes that are are really healthy, they're still focused on obviously what they want to achieve and getting the goal done. But along the way, I think a big thing for threes is being able to help people along the way and show them the way in a sense. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I think, you know, that that is a stereotype that threes don't care about others. But it's so un, like, not true at all of any three that I've ever known. Um, and understanding myself too, it's like, that's not the case. I can see how that is a common misconception, though, because I think that there are times when I get so like tunnel visioned on my goal, where I'm not looking around to see how other people are doing or how they're feeling. But when I am more healthy, like I can slow down and not be as goal oriented. and. Kind of notice like, oh, who do I need to bring alongside me? Or who do I um, need to lift up so we can all accomplish this together?
0: Mm, that's really good. Yep. What's one more of it you had?
1: Um, that threes need constant attention <laughs> or that they're like attention hogs. <laughs> yes. Because you see that on the meme accounts all the time. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, I don't even. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't know who they're talking to in this. Like, yes, at some points, I think like anybody else, I I love to have attention, but it's not something I'm thinking about all the time no. at all. Like, if anything, I'm like, can can we have the attention deflected from me in mm-hmm. some way? Like, I just don't resonate with, with that at all. on am needing attention all the time. So,
1: yeah, I, don't yeah either. <laughs> I think that's a
0: very big stereotype there. What do you think about um, that they're they're too focused? Because I'll tell you, and this gets into the arrows and, and you know, going um, into stress and insecurity and so forth. When I am actually stressed out and not functioning the way I think I, I should, I am completely unfocused. Like, I'm so distracted when it comes to <laughs> stuff like that so much.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, I think, you know, obviously that's the lower side of nine in stress. Um, but yeah, like whenever... You know, I'm in grad school right now, so if I've got a big paper, half the time you'll find me in the kitchen baking cookies, not writing my paper.
0: Right?
1: Because <laughs> yes. I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh-huh. I, I need cookies to like support my my paper writing. And there you
0: go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you on that. That's that's something I definitely resonate with that and so forth. So those are some you know common stereotypes of threes and maybe some misconceptions there, but. Let's get into like the deeper meanings of threes here. And you you mentioned something uh, when we were going back and forth messaging here. And and you said something to the fact that you think that most threes are driven by finding their worth in their productivity and that they never feel like they're doing enough. And that was a, a big statement that jumped out to me because that really gets past the surface down into the deeper core of a three. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, um, when talking about core motivations, a lot of the time people say threes are motivated by being successful or appearing successful. And I actually don't teach it that way anymore. Um, when I teach workshops or when I teach, you know, in typing sessions or coaching, um, because I think what's underneath that drive for success is that they find their worth and value and productivity. Um, and that deep down what threes want is to be worthy and valuable threes are really good at being productive. And so that's what makes them successful, but they want to be seen as productive and and as valuable. And I think that's kind of the way that they go about it. And so I think that kind of takes away from some of like the shallowness that's sometimes taught or the frustration that a lot of people have with threes who um, they believe are so oriented towards success. Because yeah, I, I believe that's true to an extent, but you know it's it's more like they need to stay busy because they don't feel like they're ever doing enough. And so it's not as much being shallow. it's it's kind of a quest for for their own value and their own purpose. So I actually think that threes who have done any sort of inner work are very aware of their need to stay busy in order to feel valuable. And so they look for resources on how to grow, and they really are driven to improve themselves on their life journey. Um, rather than just, you know, looking successful. Because I think that's that does seem shallow and I, I think it's not totally accurate for all of threes.
0: Mm, I, I agree with that. The whole aspect of being productive all the time and the, the desire to improve the things in myself and the things around me as well is, is something that deeply impacts my life in the sense that I was telling somebody the other day and trying to explain what, what it's like to be in the head of a three in a sense. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were asking me, Ryan, why can't you just relax? Why can't you just <laughs> slow down? And, you know, deep down inside, I, I, I was able to be vulnerable for a moment and mm-hmm. say, you know what, to be honest with you, any I, I want to relax, I want to slow down, I, I want to stop what I'm doing. But I feel like that if I was to do that, that everybody else is constantly working, and then they're going to get ahead yeah. in some aspect. You know, and that's not true because not everybody is a 24-7 machine.
1: No, and neither are you. Even eights,
0: you know? <laughs> One of those things you you realize when you get into the head and heart of a particular number and, and that inner workings of that person, you you find there's, there's a lot more than meets the eye in all of it there. And there's yeah, a deeper meaning.
1: Totally. And I, I think too, like that connects to three's value on efficiency because, you know, three is really just that's kind of one of their main goals is to be efficient, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you mentioned reminded me of this conversation I had with my husband a few months ago, where we were going somewhere and I was like, I didn't get anything done today. And he was like, what are you talking about? You did this and this and this and this. And I realized, I was like, I am not a robot. I feel like I got nothing done because I looked back in my day and I saw When I sat down for a few more minutes than I should have, or I like scrolled on Instagram a little bit instead of being 100% efficient all the time and not even robots can be 100% efficient all the time. And, um, I was holding myself to that standard and not acknowledging that I'm a human who like, cannot be that productive and like giving myself a little bit more space to like, like you say, like relax and give myself like a little space to say, oh you know, I did a good job today. I I did what I needed to do and now I'm going to go relax and kind of let myself off the hook in that sense.
0: Mm, Wow. I think this is really good for people to hear because, you know, looking at somebody who in a sense that word robot, um, you know, it it (laughs) kind of feels like that a lot of the times and it's just back and forth, go, go, go. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And, and, Deep down inside, um, you know, we're like you said, we're not robots and robots can't even handle that all the time. And, you know, it's it's good if you're in the life of a three to be able to help them to recognize that Mm -hmm. and to help them to be able to stop and slow down and and go, you know what, it's okay that you didn't do X, Y and Z. It's it's either still going to be there or it's obviously not mattering as much as you think it is Mm -hmm. because it's not falling apart.
1: Yeah. You know? Yep.
0: Exactly. That's some good stuff right there on on the inner workings of the three. One of the things that I I'm hearing more and more about, and I think people are becoming more aware of because it's it's being taught more and more now, has to do with the stances in the Enneagram. And I was wondering, uh I know this could be a whole series of a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> but just briefly, if you could describe what the stances are and how a, a three fits in those stances.
1: Yeah. So, um, first, I'm going to talk about intelligence centers for a quick second. So, the intelligence centers are centered around what is dominant. So, either it's the heart, the head, and the body or the gut. And so, 891 is the gut, and then 234 in the heart, and then 567 in the head center. So, those are centered around what is dominant and determine how we perceive information. So the intelligence center dictates how each person takes in information when they walk into a room. Stances, on the other hand, are about what is repressed. So rather than being about what is dominant, it's about what is repressed. And those determine how we process information. So once you walk into the room, and you gather the information, then you process using the two non-repressed centers. So I know that's a lot. We're gonna get into it though. The three centers are thinking, feeling, and doing. Again, thinking goes with the head center, feeling goes with the heart center, um, and doing goes with the gut or the body center. Ones, twos, and sixes are in the dependent stance and they're thinking repressed. So they process by feeling and doing. Fours, fives, and nines are in the withdrawn stance and they're doing repressed and they process by thinking and feeling. And then threes, sevens, and eights are in the aggressive stance and they're feeling repressed. So they process by thinking and doing. I think I said that correctly. That's a lot
0: of information. Yeah. So putting that into an example, um, do you have maybe an example that you you can fit that into um, to kind of bring that to life for somebody?
1: Yeah. So for threes, being feeling repressed can be confusing. So specifically talking about threes, um, I call them the three, seven, eight, stance aggressive rather than assertive because these types think they're being assertive but everyone else experiences them as aggressive so that's a quick aside why you might see that as a different term but um, for threes being feeling repressed um, can be confusing because they actually do perceive information through their emotional center so when they walk into a room they're taking the emotional temperature to determine who they need to be in that room what they do with that information is they stay busy they stay productive They never stop moving forward um, just to stay ahead of their feelings. So that's kind of that feeling repressed sense. Threes believe that feelings will slow them down. And because they want to get as much done as possible, they don't wait to let the feelings catch up with them. So they keep moving forward. So for me, an example of what that actually looks like. First, I'll say that um, what I've noticed is that before I really started doing Enneagram work, I would kind of have this sense of like ickiness or like discomfort um, or feeling like a little bit unsettled. And so anytime that would come up, I would just turn up the radio. I would jump into a new task or start a new project or do something else to stay busy and kind of turn up the volume on other things in my life. So I could drown out that icky feeling, you know, but what I actually realized is that is like a feeling or like, that's like emotion, right? Where it's under the surface, but because I'm feeling repressed, I'm always doing something else rather than addressing it. So, what I recommend for Enneagram threes and you know feeling um, feeling repressed types is when that kind of ickiness or discomfort comes up, let it be an invitation to pause and look inside and ask yourself, what is going on? What is this feeling? What's causing me to run from my emotions and kind of investigate and and be really curious about what's actually going on inside you, not so much um, just running to the next thing.
0: I think that's so important what you just said there, that word, be uh, curious, be curious about it. Because when you're describing what you just did, I'm like, oh my God, that is exactly what I do, to the T. And Mm -hmm. and for anybody that is in that place uh, where that gnawing feeling comes up of like, uh, I should Probably sit in this for a little bit and think about it, but I really don't want to because that doesn't feel good, and I'd rather do something else, like go bake cookies or something like that. You know, <laughs> um, that that phrase "be curious about it" and it's an invitation could could help somebody take a whole different look at it and say, you know what, let's be curious about this for a minute. Not that I have to sit in here and. And be completely uncomfortable with what's going on. But let's Mm -hmm. dive into this. And let's, what does this mean really, you know? And that's a helpful way to grow in it, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, feeling repressed types typically don't have the language surrounding emotions or feelings Mm -hmm. to really talk about it very articulately. Um, And especially for threes, that's tough because they don't want to do something that's messy. But what I recommend is also getting one of those, uh, the colorful feelings wheel, if you've seen that. Um, A Mm -hmm. lot of therapists will use it. Um, actually, like looking at the feeling words on that wheel and trying to use that as a tool to help you understand, like what you're actually feeling.
0: No, I've done that before, and yes. and I'm like I'm like, um, how come I just can't really right away bring this up? Like, I'll have a conversation with somebody, and if I'm if I'm comfortable with them, and I can get really vulnerable with them. I often find myself pausing so much when it comes to trying to articulate feelings because I'm processing and searching in that moment. Like I, I'm like, I don't even know what this feels or looks like for me. And how am I supposed to explain this right now? Mm-hmm. That is so good there about looking at that that feelings wheel though, because it helps you identify so, so much better.
1: Yeah. And I think one more thing on that topic, um, another example that might help kind of bring it to light is... Um, a few years ago, my husband and I were planning on moving like across the country. And so we went on this prospecting trip and I had a spreadsheet and we were looking at houses, and we we're looking at apartments and we had all the numbers. Um, so after looking at several places, my husband was like, oh, so um, how are you feeling about this? And I was like, well, if we live here, we can save this much per year. We'll set aside this much for this place, et cetera. And I just began like running through the numbers. And he was like, no, 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 not numbers. How do you feel? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Cause I really right. hadn't thought yeah. about it. You know, like I hadn't considered the difference between like running the numbers and like actually having a real feeling about it. Mm, so I think that's yes. another way that, that threes kind of are feeling repressed.
0: That's such a good, good example there. I think that that drives it home in a, in a really good way there for people to, to get a glimpse of that. And I think any threes out there listening right now are just kind of lifting their hands up in there, thinking, thanking God that somebody else is describing what they are <laughs> feeling like all the time yeah, sure. there. So, when we're looking at the comparisons for um, different Enneagram types, when I'm going through a test with somebody and they pop up as a three, oftentimes on the test, I'll see ones pop up towards the top or eights pop up towards the top. Or maybe they even just look at those numbers and go, oh, I kind of identify with that too over there. When we're looking just like at the surface traits, threes and eights, and I think ones have a lot of similarities in drive and passion and desire and getting things done. But of course, we know that the Enneagram is more than just about the traits. So what do you think if somebody's out there trying to d- decipher if I'm a three? Or something else? What do What do you think are some aspects of the three's core motivations that stand out from other types?
1: Yeah, like I think um, specifically when looking at three and one, one of the questions I ask is, "How do you feel about cutting corners?" Because threes typically are are the type that is that's like done is better than perfect, right? Yes. Uh Um, And ones are kind of the opposite. Not that they don't want to get the thing done, but that um, they believe that this ideal world is possible, and so all of their effort is working to create the perfect ideal. And that's why they're so hardworking and that's why they put so much effort into the world. The second thing is threes are much more image conscious and chameleon-like than ones. Ones don't typically, like they do sometimes reference others for how they ought to be, but um, they typically uh, don't have that same shape-shifting quality. Mm -hmm. Um, And and ones tend to be a bit more self-critical. And also- I will say ones tend to be more in tune with their emotions because they aren't feeling repressed. Um, So like when we went over stances, they're not feeling repressed. So they actually are typically more able to articulate what they're feeling um, in the moment. And then moving on with eights as well. um, So this one can be really confusing because they're future oriented and feeling repressed. And I don't use um, tests in my coaching practice, but I I do occasionally take tests for myself just because I like to. And I always come out as eight and then three, Um, but I know I'm a three. So, but eights really aren't image conscious and they care deeply about others, but they don't really feel the need to shift who they are. So um, I think I mentioned this to you when we were talking before, but um, my husband's an eight and um, I asked him, I was like, can I mention that you're an eight on the podcast? And he was like, I don't give a crap what you say about me. I am who I am.
0: (laughs) There you go. And he
1: was like, and you can say that. And he didn't say crap. So that's another thing about eights. <laughs> so yeah. And eights and will compete because that's where the energy is highest, but it's not as focused on winning or success. Um, and eights will gain success to create a sense of security for themselves, but it's not success for the sake of success. Like it is more so with threes. So it's just a different thing.
0: I think those examples right there are really good in helping to separate um, the differences right there and, Again, it comes down to the the more core motivations and all of that, rather than just the surface traits there. I really wanted to give some stuff here for any threes out there listening that are looking to grow themselves, because if you're a three, you're like, just get to the point on how I get improvement Mm -hmm. in all of this. And, And so... Why, why in your experience do you feel that uh, a three has a sense of being unworthy if they don't succeed or measure up like they feel they should?
1: Yeah, so I think this really gets into childhood wounds. So as kids, threes felt that they only got love or admiration when they performed well um, and their feelings may have been ignored. And with that, I want to emphasize that most parents do their absolute best. And because we're born with our type, the things that happen in our lives confirm the way we already see things. So I don't think my parents did something to quote unquote, make me this way. It's just like things that happen, like I perceived it in a certain way and kind of confirmed like who I already was in a sense. So yeah, I think it's that childhood wound for threes. Um, and what that really looks like is they feel good about themselves when they succeed and perform well. And they feel bad about themselves if they don't. And while threes don't have the inner critic like ones, they can be prone to a lot of negative self-talk, especially when they don't measure up. You know, and and it's hard. Threes don't typically look at their efforts and feel satisfied with what they've done. They always think they could have done more.
0: Mm, Wow. So how does a three get healthier in that? How does a three look at that and go, okay, I kind of, I know that. Um, but I I want to improve in this. Um, Do you have any helpful tips that maybe help with three out in this area?
1: Yeah, so I think first is remember that failure does not define you. Start by replacing I'm a failure with I failed and then replace I failed with, you know, things didn't go as planned, but I learned something and that experience still has value. I think that's huge for threes is to see things that didn't go well as still valuable um, in their
0: life experience. That's so great that you just said that. I literally got a text yesterday from somebody and they were asking me this, this question and I answered it. And I'm like, I didn't like answering that because I didn't feel like I might have been right or correct, you know, like, and, Mm, and mm. they replied back in the best possible way. And they said, Ryan, it's okay to fail as long as you fail forward. Ah. And I just stared at that text. And how many times have we heard that in our life? It's okay if you fail, as long as you fail forward. Yada yada. I get it. Yada yada. But there was something that I was I was so I was so happy that they sent me that in that moment because it's always as much as we maybe hear that it's always a really good reminder. There is value in failing. And then she followed up with another text that said, you know, often in your failures you're going to learn a lot more than you are in your successes. Yes. And it's taking that value of failure and saying, I'm not a failure. I just did something that didn't work out. And here's what I learned from it. And here's how next time could be better because of that.
1: Yeah, that, and it's just so important because you're going to live in the dumps a lot if you think you're a failure every time something doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. I also recommend practicing celebration. Threes see celebration as inefficient. And you've heard it said, I'm sure... They don't wait for the confetti to fall. Yes. You know, They're just on to the next thing. Uh-huh. But you have to be able to practice celebrating. So recently I had something happen that was really exciting. It was a big milestone. But then I was like, ah, oh, you know, my natural tendency was to say like, I have a long way to go or why did this take me so long? Or, you know, measuring myself against, you know, quote unquote competition. But instead of like following that natural tendency in the moment, I was like, you know What? Let me lean into this and let it be fun and celebratory. And like, it's actually so fun to celebrate yourself and celebrate others and let other people celebrate you. Um, and that's huge growth, I think, for threes because threes aren't just attention hogs. Like most threes don't really celebrate themselves very well. So I think that's really important.
0: I agree with that 100% but they don't celebrate themselves well. It often, I think, takes other people coming along to help them realize the importance of celebration, just like you said. And to be able to to sit in that moment and not feel like you have to move on right away is going to do wonders for the next go around that you're after. So yeah, that's really totally. good. Really good.
1: And then my last one is Read the Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. So my friend and Enneagram teacher, Amanda Steed, actually she was like you your homework is to go and read this i was like why did you have to say homework now i have to do it you know
0: yeah they know the keywords
1: <laughs> yeah so i i read it and it was such a great reminder that i can't do it all um that true living happens when you allow yourself to experience all of life the good feelings and the bad and that um showing up for myself and for others matters more than work or image or success and i think those things are so important so i think Everyone should read it, but especially Threes or on Audible. Get it on Audible. You're busy. Get it on Audible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Listen to it while you're driving. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that, yeah, multitasking all the way home. And uh, when I say that one, it hurt. It hurt so good. I mean, it hurt, but it hurt so good. Yeah. It was such a, a, an incredible book. Yeah. So those are some really good things. And I think, if and those are so simple to do because, it, yeah, go read a book. Listen to a book. Easy. You know what? When when something happens, be aware that there's a celebration there and then when failure comes, realize you're not a failure. Um it's just an occurrence that happens to every other human being on life and in life and if you can just take those things and learn, you just set yourself up to be even better next time, which I think for a three is something they want to hear. Totally. So but those are awesome things because they're very practical, very easy to do, and it really will take your life to the next level as a three and become way more healthier in all of that. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for that.
1: Confirmed by an actual three. So
0: <laughs> confirmed by an actual three. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We both obviously love the Enneagram so much, not just this little bit where we're like, well, we'll have a, a conversation, but enough that we we started doing things like we're doing workshops, we're putting stuff out on social media, we're doing all these things because we love it so much and I know not everybody's in that same boat but for people that do want to connect to more things um with what you're what you're talking about and what you're doing could you share with us uh what you started uh with the Enneagram?
1: Yeah. So um in 2017 I started 9 Types Co. Um at the time it was mostly just like an Instagram and a website to sell Enneagram themed coffee mugs. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was kind of the motivation. Um, I love the podcast Side Hustle School. And so I listened to that and I got the idea from that podcast. Mm -hmm. So we started selling the mugs. And then actually last year in November, I was like getting my Enneagram coaching certification. And I had been teaching already for about six months. And I was like, you know what? When I post about the actual enneagram and not about these mugs, I'm getting so much more engagement, and that's what I actually care about. I don't really care about coffee mugs, right. you know. I care about the enneagram. Um, so I decided to change directions, and um, yeah, it's just grown since
0: then. Wow! So you're on you're on Instagram at Nine Types Co. Is that correct?
1: Yep, spelled out Nine Types
0: Co. Perfect. Yeah, I love it. Like I really do. Like, what, you're one of my favorite feeds on there with all the stuff that you put out. And the way it looks, it I I look at that and go. That's it right there. I wish I could do that stuff. I I get jealous sometimes, just to be honest with you. Um, But what's a favorite thing about your community that you've created with the Enneagram over on social media and your workshops that you do and everything?
1: Yeah, I just love talking to people. Um, So, with workshops and typing conversations, you know, I love getting to meet new people and talk to them. And I also love how encouraging the community is toward one another. Like, if you go in the comments, you'll see it's not always me responding to comments. It's, you know, other people who also follow saying, oh, my husband's the same type, or I'm also this type, or my best friend and I are the same pairing as you and your best friend, Um, things like that. And um, I love that, like the engagement and just having a place where people who are obsessed with the Enneagram can also come and have a good time and talk about it.
0: Yes, I'm finding the exact same thing. I love it when other people come in because it's so relatable it's so relatable and across the yeah. board you put a comment in there and you know that somebody else is going to identify with that and go oh my gosh let me tell you about this and you just create conversations and it's fun and um i rarely find i don't know if you you feel the same way i really find anybody lash back at stuff you know um everybody's yeah. there to support each other and to help each other grow and understand things and you know, give life experiences. It's great. So you're, you're definitely a three. So I know that you don't just doing this because you're going to celebrate and woohoo, we did this or that. You're like, probably have some goals behind what you're doing. Um, what, what is it you really want to accomplish, um, with everything you're doing with the Enneagram?
1: Yeah. So I'm getting my master's in organizational communication. Oh, wow. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. It is sometimes people, I say that and people are like, oh my gosh, that sounds so boring, but I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really no, love it. So, when you
0: said that, I was like, I'm intrigued right away. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, my main focus with the Enneagram, obviously, like I have uh, my Instagram and I love talking to people and individuals and everything, but my main focus is teaching teams and businesses. So, I've loved talking with different teams and watching how the Enneagram has really changed their dynamic for the better. Um, So that's what I'm really passionate about. And I want to continue to grow that side of my business where, you know, doing more of the consulting and um, teaching teams and um, like communication and stuff like that. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I really love to do. And
0: that's awesome. That's the goal. That's really cool. I love hearing that. I'm going to cheerlead you on in that and and see where you guys go with that. If that's just, I think that's so important and it's so helpful and it, It reaches a whole other demographic that's not just like, you know, doing this for, you know, the sake of fun or maybe just a little bit of learning here and there. That really gets in and it changes lives. It changes teams and organizations. And it's it's really impactful. So thank you for sharing that and encourage you guys to go out there follow Stephanie at 9typesco on Instagram and visit 9types.co. Check out what she has on there. And uh, and so just thank you for, for coming on and for, for being a part of this and really diving into the aspect of a three and giving perspective, I think, that a lot of people probably did not know about when it comes to a three.
1: Ryan, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time.
0: We'll chat soon. Thanks. want to thank Stephanie once again for coming on, interviewing with us, going into the world of an Enneagram type three, looking forward to the many more podcasts to come. In the meantime, you can email us any questions you have at Enneagram Enthusiast at gmail.com and we'll catch you next time. And remember the greatest gift you can give someone is the best version of yourself.